Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Greetings, fellow book lover, and welcome to another episode of Book Off. Yes, it's me, Joe Haddo, here again with one of these, and also one of these. And joining me today, two brilliant human beings. Writer, critic, broadcaster, and stand-up comedian, Viv Groskop, and author, screenwriter, and former rock star turned music biz <laughs> A&R, John Niven. Welcome to you both. Thank Hi. you. I'm Happy glad book to off. be described as a brilliant human being. <laughs> well, it's very true. Yes. I and I'm a rock star, apparently, so it's, we're, we're both winning. But I'm basically buttering pressure. you both up, mm-hmm. because later, when I have to choose one of your books, I don't want the other to feel like there's any favouritism. Oh, my, oh my, or, is that the nature of today? One of us gets booked off. It's yeah. a Fight so. to the death, Oh, God, John. oh, no. <laughs> but we have to all be friends first, OK? And not <laughs> That's why I do that at the end. So then if anyone's got hard feelings, I, we can I just... always lose these things, by the way. I did one week with, uh, you know, Satnam Sangera, who writes for the... He wrote The Boy with the Top Note, and we did, I think, a literary death match thing. And he obviously won, and I was sort of ranting and raving at the end. One of the girls, Sarah Morgan, who was on the panel, said, John, you, you, nobody votes for Darth Vader. You obviously weren't going to win, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but I am a really, really sore loser. Oh, me too. So, yeah, it's bad news, whatever happens. I well, John, think, you've yeah. already spotted Viv's notes, and I think you're feeling a little bit... I know, uh, horrified. Uh, yeah, well, why don't you have any notes, John? Well, uh, <laughs> I've been doing a few things in the promo trail recently, and I did the um, Big Mouth podcast the other week, and I walked in, and everyone had a notepad. Somebody had a laptop out there, and I was sitting there with the kid at the back of the class, flicking the Vs at everyone, you know, having done no homework. No, I think you've both got a fair chance, but we'll mm. see a, a bit later on. You're both high-flying media types. Your paths must have crossed oh, before. This is so na- nauseating, isn't it? <laughs> Our paths have vaguely crossed. Uh-huh. I think of, at festival number six, six. at uh, some m- point. Miserable number six. Yeah, or may- maybe you already mentioned literary deathmatch. Maybe through maybe that. One of those. I'm a two-time winner. Just saying. <laughs> oh wow! I'm a two-time um, loser, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you kill me? Um, but no, we haven't really met properly, so this is no, this, this is, nice. is really nice. And depending on how the next half hour goes. We may um, hang out in Edinburgh. <laughs> good, you should. <laughs> so you're obviously up there, John, with your new book, uh-huh. No Good Deed, which is your latest novel published by Wimble. But it's the story of where the of where the plot came from that that 
really grabbed me, and you wrote an article about it with the Telegraph. Yeah, 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 just, uh, uh, yeah. Well, like, like a lot of novels, a tiny seed of the idea comes from your life, but then a lot of other things kind of have to lock into place to get a book out of it. But the tiny what if was back in the 90s, and I was still working in the record business, and I stepped over a tramp in central London, stepped what I thought was a tramp, and mm. this guy said, hey, John, I realised it was someone I knew from back home when I was a teenager. And he was fairly grubby and eating a sort of tinfoil wrap sandwich and we stood and were talking for a bit and I think, oh my God, he's trapping. Oh, what's the etiquette? Should I give him some money? And I think I was quite close to, you know, you don't, you don't want to offend someone, but at the same time, would it offend them if you didn't? And then I noticed a sort of construction thing going on nearby and that the what I thought was his trampy bindle was actually some tools or what have you and I realised that that's what his job was he was just sitting down eating his lunch and I was this close to sort of give him two quid and try and eat something you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that what if, the what if of that that sort of stayed with me in some way was what if you bumped into someone you knew when you years back and they were I don't know, you know would you if you were a nicer person than I am because obviously part of me was hugely schadenfreude going fantastic he's a trap um, would you try and help them? Would you take them in and maybe try and help them get their life back on track in some way? And so, which is what the character Alan does in the book. He takes character of Craig in off the streets to try and you know help because Alan's very successful at that point. It's a very nice middle class lifestyle, but of course, Craig gradually proceeds to destroy Alan's life because they've never really been friends. There's always been this rivalry and tension. And then the book became about those things that. Um, that dynamic between people as they get older, I don't know if you ever go to a school reunion or something like that, and you notice that even though it's like 20 or 30 years on, and if somebody's really successful now, but they're a bit of a nerd at school, and the guy who was the cock of the walk at school is now like a bin man. Cock of the walk quite quickly becomes cock of the walk again, and billionaire goes back to being there. Those dynamics that get set in stone in your teenage years in some way, and certainly if you're a writer, I don't think you ever fully shake because a lot of the, the motor of what you do comes from there. Um, it's interesting. The book kind of became about the fact that even though Alan's the one who's successful, he's kind of always trying to impress Craig and Craig won't be impressed and can undercut him very easily, cut him to the quick very easily. So the book became about that sort of dynamic too. Have you been back to a school reunion recently, John? Not for... I, did do I don't one. think you'd be very welcome after having said that. <laughs> Implying everything you were the tramp. Um, no, I, I, th- I went to one about... God, it'd be over... It'd be nearly 15 years ago, I think, now was the last one, maybe. Uh, so, no, not, not not since then. I might do it in the... You know, Don Simpson, the movie producer, did the who did Top Gun and The Rock and everything, was a famous multi-millionaire maniac, did the best school reunion ever. We went back to his school reunion in Alaska and landed on the sort of football field in the helicopter with two Playboy bunnies, did a lap of the track, got on and fucked off. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a really insecure madman with millions of dollars to burn, that's the way to go. That is the <laughs> definition of psychopathic evil. God. <laughs> so yeah. Wow. Viv, you haven't been back to a school reunion. I I tend to go to reunions. Actually, I don't particularly want to. I don't know if anybody actually wants to, but I feel this really tragic sense of social obligation mm-hmm. that it's part of a shared past, whether you like it or not, and so you must go. It's like as if I was in the army or something, and I have to go and <laughs> join my. <laughs> to those you served with, ra- yes. you spilled blood. But I'm always very 
careful this is going to make me sound like some sort of you know Oprah Winfrey type person but I'm always careful sort of monitor my internal feelings <laughs> at these things because for exactly the reasons that you say I think they can make people go a bit unhinged they do, I think, because yeah. it's difficult when you're faced with your past and other people who've shared an awareness of the person that you used to be I, I did a show recently where and a really lovely old friend who I, you know, and it's also, you realise, these people are my great, great friends and I haven't seen them for 20 years. What mm. sort of awful person am I? A really good old friend came to see a show and I hadn't seen her in years. And it was so strange seeing her because I've lost weight since... I've lost weight recently, but I think at school I wasn't particularly overweight, but I thought I was. Mm. And as soon as I was in the company of this friend, I suddenly felt really fat again. It was really physically. weird. Yeah, physically. <laughs> because that was my role in that moment. Like, right. Yeah, it mm. was incredibly weird. It's very hardwired, a lot of it, I think. Where you, yeah. put, you get in that situation with people you knew when you were teenagers and uh, you add a bit of alcohol and give it an hour or two. It's mm. very strange, the dynamics that reassert themselves. Yeah. And I, did you, you, you didn't stay in touch with your old friend that you met? By Leicester Square, then no, such. No, you just was, had a chat. He was doing was... very well on his building site. <laughs> He's, he probably is a property owner who owns half of London. He probably owns the business. You know, <laughs> yeah. He's building constructions all over the all over the country. You know, and then later, actually, I had another friend who uh, I wrote a, a column for the Scottish Sunday Mail. I, I was writing for some reason at my university graduation. And I mentioned a friend of mine who was there that day. We graduated together, just in passing, in, in parentheses. And then he got in touch via the paper. I reply. He got his email address, and I thought it's great to hear from you. It's been whole. Oh, can't believe it's been twenty whatever years since graduation. Hope you're well and all that. Got this story about he kind of ended up pretty much destitute. He, you know, he drinking problem and kicked out of his house and his job and went up. I think sleeping in Victoria Park, living in, in London, sleeping rough basically. And you're like, oh, I think you know, you know, the it's it's a tougher battle for a lot of people, and you kind of, and our as we say in our Blythe media world, fruiting about and you. He'd always wanted to be a writer too, I remember, at university, and I wrote back to him asking if he was still writing, thinking if he was, you know, read it and maybe see if you can introduce him to some that could do it, but he never replied. Mm. I think, you know, mm. I think he just wanted to let you know he was still there. Mm. And Viv, your latest book is The Anna Karenina Fix. Tell us about that. Life Lessons from Russian Literature. The Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina Fix. Oh, wow. So it's about, it's a mashup of memoir, a literary criticism and self-help lessons from 11 Russian classics. And it's something I've wanted to write for a very long time. Um, I studied Russian at university and that's when I lived in Russia in the mid-90s. And I became obsessed with the idea that my name is Russian because I, the derivation of my name, Groskop, uh, I was very sort of hidden and mysterious when I was a child. Nobody ever wanted to talk about it. And I was just always told that we're very British and there's no need to talk about these things. I'm sure Nigel Farage's parents told him <laughs> the same thing. Uh, and I just decided for myself that I was going to be Russian because I loved Anna Karenina and I thought I'll just be like her. And it turned into a whole, it was quite subconscious, but it turned into a whole life obsession. I spent a lot of time in, in Russia and I read a lot into the literature and felt like I was discovering my identity in it. And then I discovered that 
I am not Russian at all. <laughs> I am I just ask. Jewish, and my name in Yiddish means fathead. I'm going to say um, German, sure, it's big well, yeah, Yes, exactly. Well, I I always thought, oh, why isn't it German? But it doesn't work because it would be Grosskopf with a, an F on the yeah. end. So I knew it wasn't German, but I couldn't understand why it was like German but not. But of course, Yiddish is yeah. based on German. Yeah. Uh, but the word Jewish was never uttered during my childhood, <laughs> so I made a slight error there. So the book is about me trying to find my identity, lose it again, and then find it again in these works. And it's everyone from Gogol, Turgenev, Dostoevsky, Akhmatova, uh, Bulgakov, um, all of my favourite classics. Excellent pronunciation. I mean, I believe oh. you were Russian. You could have Thank you. Well, I, I'm, I do speak Russian well enough to be taken for a Latvian. <laughs> that, that is my my party trick. You, you are hoping to trace your back to what Nabokov called the, the great blood of emperors and czars. And exactly. You landed on Yiddish fathead. Exactly. <laughs> that is the story of my life. I thought I was the mysterious disappeared princess Anastasia, but no, I am just a peasant from <laughs> Poland. As authors, once you finish that process, once you've done the edit and you've sent it off and there's no going back, is that when you relax a little bit and maybe go and pick up a few books that you think, oh, I haven't had time during the writing process, so now I'll catch up on some reading? Is that is that a moment that you take for yourself for reading books? I've had an interesting experience with that because I've had to reread several times often a lot of these Russian classics mm. because a lot of them I read in my late teens and I hadn't gone back to them like Crime and Punishment and War and Peace and all of these other great doorstop nice uh, novels. Quick, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, during that period of uh, 18 months when I was working on this book, I felt so guilty if I read anything else and something had to be really, really good to bust through it. So I remember there was a book by um, a Norwegian author called Agnes Sravatan, The Bird Tribunal, um, which is a fantastic, fantastic novel that I heard her talking on the radio about it and I couldn't bear to not read it. Mm-hmm. And that was my really, really guilty pleasure that I allowed myself to read that. And I also read... Um, uh, Les- that was a guilty pleasure. That like was, yeah. Banging the James Patterson or something. I, I, no, and then I read... About but I read a Leslie Bennett's uh, uh, biography of Jane Rivers as right, well. Yeah. That is absolutely amazing. Biography always feels like a bit of a guilty, you know. Yeah, really so argue. it's a bit of an indulgence. But yeah, now I, I can stop and I can read whatever I want. It's yes, it is quite freeing actually. Yeah, quite liberating yes. sort of feeling. John, are you the are you the same? I yeah, in, in the sense that I can't, I find it impossible to read fiction when I'm writing mm. a book uh, because if it's any good, and why would you be reading crap? And then the the voice does seep into whatever you're trying to do you know so I find it hard to read all that said I am shockingly now getting to the age where I like to reread books so I, I've got a list of maybe 20 30 of my favourite novels and any given year I'll be rereading one or two of them mm-hmm. so I mean I think Nabokov said to bring in a Russian reference he said that one can never one, one can only really reread a book only by rereading it I think he's got a list of his favourite novels with Mansfield Park and Few that he's read twenty or thirty times, and I do find that the best novels are really rewarding to reread. And you do that thing as you get older, thinking, "Well, how many?" Plus, as I'm sure everyone knows, once you have a little success, you the side of your bed is always stacked with a bunch of novels, either from friends or acquaintances or publishers who might want a quote, and mm. you've got a lot of kind of things you feel you should read. So, when I get a chance to read just for pure pleasure, I'll tend to re- reread a book that I love. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And would um, John Updike be on the list? He would. Because that's the book that you've brought to Champion today, I believe. Or one Indeed. Of you're going to have your three minutes in a moment. Just tell us what you've brought for the book off and, and why, when you first read it, etc. This is, a, I think it's Rabbit is Rich. I've chosen from John Optic's quartet of Rabbit novels. And I first read this book at university as a literature student. And I thought it was good, but I had no idea how much book like wine changes over the years in relation to yourself as you get older and reading that book as a 21 year old is nothing like the experience of reading it in your 40s once you've got a tranche of life behind you Mm. and kids and you know successes and failures and you know it it, it really is an incredible benchmark that sort of changes as you get older and that that was published in 81 I think Mm -hmm. and Viv, your choice was published just two years later, but a very different book. Yeah, well, this is interesting. We've both chosen American writers. Um, I've chosen Heartburn by Nora Ephron, mm-hmm. 1983, which is an autobiographical novel famously made into the film with Jack Nicholson and Meryl Streep, which I've actually never seen purposefully because I don't want to spoil the reading of the book. Oh. Um, but it was based on Nora Ephron's uh, marriage to Carl Bernstein. Uh, famous for the Watergate uh, mm. investigation. He was a journalist. Uh, and it's about a fictional food writer who's getting divorced from her awful political journalist husband. Uh, and it's just full of hilarity, self-loathing, and loads of stuff about New Yorkers being in therapy. And that is my favourite kind of novel and is the reason why I was asked to leave a book group because they said, Viv, the only novels you like are ones about New Yorkers going to see their therapist. And I was like, yes, that is the best kind of book. You kicked out a book group? Yes. Wow. I love that's a, that's a strong so. claim. To, I've never been kicked out of a book group, I don't think. I need I, to try harder. I love No Rear Front. I haven't actually read that novel. I have seen the movie. You're not missing much. It's not great. Oh, really? Because she wrote right. the screenplay. So. It's all right. Um, it's not the best by any, considering it was Air Force screenplay and Nicholson and Streep. 
Yeah, expected to be a lot yeah. better than us. And she she wrote Harry when Harry met Sally. She wrote yeah. when Harry met yeah. Sally, which is how yeah. I discovered this yes. book. Right, oh, okay. I was obsessed with when Harry met Sally when I was in my early twenties, mm-hmm. and it was one of the first films I watched with my husband. Oh. To who I am, I am still married. We haven't <laughs> followed the plot of Heartburn just yet. And around the Not corner, therapy. Yeah, but it, uh, so uh, what I love about Heartburn uh, uh, and reading it as a writer later on now is how many themes are in that book that she was rehearsing for later work. There are loads of lines in Heartburn that she used in When Harry Met Sally. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. Well, what happens at this juncture of the book off, at the end of this podcast now, as we're coming towards the end, is that you each get three minutes to to really pitch these books. You don't have to use all your three minutes. Mm -hmm. So if you think you've said all you need to in two, that's fine. But when it gets to three, you'll either get a honk or a ring, and you can choose which one you want. So, first of all, I think we should decide who goes first. So, Viv, you get to call it. Okay. Heads or tails? I'm going to call heads. Oh, heads, girl. Always for the heads. Um. <laughs> it's tails. What was that you said, Just, John? I've igno- didn't John notice it. I ignored John. Heads, plural. <laughs> heads, plural. My reputation precedes me. You're Russian. <laughs> it's, uh, it's tails, John, which means you get to decide do you want to go first or second and do you want a honk or a ring? A, I'll go first. And can I have a honk, please, you Bob? You certainly can, <laughs> indeed. So your three minutes on Rabbit is Rich by John Updike starts oh. now. Uh, Rabbit is Rich picks up the story of our hero Harry Angstrom um, in his early 40s. We've already met him in two previous books, Rabbit Run, which is in the late 50s, and Rabbit Redux, which is responsible for bringing the term Redux back into kind of popular usage, in 1969. And all the novels are based around a contemporary sort of event. And So Rabbit Redux in 69, the moon landing is always in the background. So in this book, Rabbit is Rich, in 1979, it's the kind of gas crisis and um, Iran-Contra and Jimmy Carter as all the sort of... But that said, it's kind of... It's not that that's the theme of it. It's just bubbles in the background. It's all very specifically located in the year it's set in. But... Um, Unusually for a novel that does that, you can read a novel like that and 10, 20 years later it looks incredibly dated. This isn't at all. You know, it's just study of a man in middle age who's kind of happy but not that happy in his marriage. He's made a lot of money, the title belying that. And it's kind of an examination of where... What the other books do as a whole is it's kind of... What does it look like if the unexamined life gets examined? He's just a big, as he says in the book, he's, he has a cruddy, average American heart rammed full of junk food and, you know, bad eating. And he's a very average American. The kind of, he buys a house and has this, finally gets a den in his house where he pictures himself sort of reading something doesn't really read books but certainly clipping and reading magazine articles but what Updike does which great novels do is breathe a voice into someone who would never normally examine their own life and the minutiae of that life and the choices made are um, incredibly touching and you know he's also you know completely unself-reflective in some ways Harry Angstrom but he wants to kind of He's striving to learn more about his own life that you know he's never quite going to get there. Um, 
and the book it's it, all four books are brilliant but i think this is the sort of standout of the whole the whole series and it's also kind of a fascinating study of where america was at that point you, you can from the 50s right through to the early 90s the four books kind of and as a novelist you 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 yearn to have a device like yourself because it allows it's like update gets to take a look at himself in his 20s and his 30s and his 40s and then finally in his late 50s and the in the, in the last book and interestingly the novel, the, the quartet sort of ends after this the, the final book um, Rabbit at Rest and I often wonder why did he stop at 59 and I think he, he said in an interview that he felt he might um, he might not you know being an American of his generation, a lot of them dying. The character undergoes angioplasty for a heart condition. And I think he felt he didn't want to die with a book half planned or half written. He wanted to put a full stop in it. So I recommend this book to the committee. Wow. Always bang on time there. Well done. <laughs> wow. Sorry for honking there in That's your right. face. Sorry. <laughs> I love it when men honk in my face. <laughs> um, Again, you Russians. <laughs> uh, that was bang on, John. And... Uh, that was a very good pitch. Pretty strong, I would hmm. say. I think it would be an even better pitch if you made people talk for three minutes about a book they haven't read. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, oh, yeah, now, now we've be... got a panel game. <laughs> we've got a game show. <laughs> well, that could be a spin-off from this one, can't it? You know, where we just present it to them as they, as they yeah. come in, maybe. Right then, Viv, you, you up for your three, then? Yes. Would you like a, a, a ring or a honk? Um, I'll take a ring. You can have one. So you've got three minutes on the clock to talk about. I know. I remember you were there. You too, didn't you? <laughs> to talk about Heartburn by Nora Ephron. I am recommending Heartburn by Nora Ephron, which was published in 1983. It's an autobiographical novel based on her marriage to and divorce from Carl Bernstein, the journalist, and his real-life affair with Margaret Jay, who was the daughter of our own Prime Minister James Callaghan. And John is making uh, making signs that indicate I'm looking at my notes, which I am, because it's important <laughs> to get me. things right. Uh, the character that Nora Ephron has adopted for herself in this book is called Rachel Samstadt. She's a food writer and she's married to Mark Feldman, political journalist. And it's really interesting, in, in later interviews... Uh, Nora Ephron started referring to Mark Feldman, the fictional husband, almost as if he was a real person, which was brilliant. Um, and so the book is written by by Rachel, who's who's this food writer, and she's always bringing in recipes um, that are a parody of how people write recipes and are very sweet and funny. And in the book, she's she has one child and she's pregnant and she's just found out that her husband's having this affair. Um, I love, most of all, I love how bitchy this book is and the Margaret J character is called Thelma Rice uh, in Heartburn and I just think if you're going to really hate on someone you call them Thelma <laughs> I love that She te- Rachel tells everyone in their social circle that Thelma has a venereal disease um, she uh, has this wonderful description of her which again it's just so pure bitchery she describes her as a fairly tall person with a neck uh, as as long as... A, I can't actually read what I've written here. OK, forget that bit. This is a good bit. With a nose as long as a thumb, and you should see her legs, never mind her feet, which are sort of splayed. I mean, that is taken from real life. I love that. And she took such revenge on her real-life husband by saying in the book that he is a man who would be capable of having sex with a Venetian blind. <laughs> And that lived with the the poor real-life husband for the rest of his life. (laughs) It's funny, it's nasty, 
it's really kind of actually quite childish revenge, uh, this book. And she also talked about the fact that her husband claimed to be more of an injured party than she was in all of this because of the book. And that annoyed her for the rest of her life because she thought, you know, you did the wrong thing. I was just always going to write about it because I'm a writer. It's a real writer's book, this one. Uh, and I love the New Yorkness of it. I love all the food stuff. I love that she throws a pie at him. Um, it's great. I recommend it to anyone who wants a laugh and who wants a warning about marriage. Oh, another good timing. Mm. Two pros. Two Apologies to pros. Nora Ephron that I couldn't quite read my own writing for one of her really beautiful quotes. <laughs> but it's the nose as long as a thumb that I, I like the best. I think if I should get extra um, uh, time because I did sort of distract her pointing the notes thing out, but I think I definitely deserve some merit for no notes. But so, you know. Wow, OK. So this is, where, this is where the competitiveness has uh, is, is kicked in <laughs> now. Look at, like insane. <laughs> Petitioning the committee. Hey, there are no rules about notes or otherwise here, John. You can't get, can't get points for that. Both fascinating books, though, by the sounds of it. I like the, oh, I like the sound of both of them, and well, this is I'm, always. The I'm case. definitely going to go and read Heartburn now. So well, likewise, so I've, I feel awful saying this, but I've never read any Updike. Oh, really? No. God. Well, should Viv start Just at go, the? Should she start? Or go straight the... to couples for the pumping. Right. Couples, couples has got all the sex. Oh. Okay. So go there, do that first, and then if go you're back interested to the, in a novel, just study with utter sex. Yeah, but if you want an examination of humanity. Then. But if we went in on Rabbit is Rich first, having not yeah, read anything you can, else... You can easily read any of them without having read the preceding ones. There's little okay. things you won't get, but, you know... Oh, God, I've got to mention his son, Nelson, is such a hateful prick and becomes even more hateful as he gets older through the, you know... And have you read other Nora Ephron? Are you a, are you a fan of all her I've work? read everything she's ever yeah. written, um, including all of the things they published after her death, death that yeah. she probably didn't want anybody to publish. They published all kind of interviews and all kinds of merchandising opportunities emerged. Non-fiction's great too, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, She's such a great writer. Well, I have, to, I have to choose. That's the whole point. I've set myself up for this, really, haven't I? Uh, and I'm just, I have to base it on the pictures and what I heard and what I liked and what I think I'm going to go away and read. And I think I will read both, actually. Oh! Uh, <laughs> but... I'm not going to cop out, and I'm going to say that <laughs> the book I'm going to take home is Harburn. Oh, yeah, I'm going to take these books. Screw you. I'm out of here. Get up. I was, uh, I was going funny. to accuse it's... you of misogyny if you did anything else. <laughs> I, I, I could see you polishing that one up. But who doesn't like a, a book about revenge and that's funny and bitchy and has got food? I'll tell you who doesn't. I mean, Me. I've had it with this. <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vader never wins, does he? Oh, that's it. I think I think I've ruined my friendship with Niven now. I'll go and do my lap of honour. <laughs> you can. You can take this with you if you want as well. Um, guys, thank you, thank you so much thank for, you, for thank joining you. me. That was a lot of fun. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you. Enjoy your triumph. <laughs> go and do your lap now. <laughs> up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello 
HelloFresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.